Hi, I'm Rachel O'Mara, author of Pause, harnessing the life-changing power of giving yourself a break. I'm excited that you're here today and joining me on the Pausecast, where I interview thought leaders in the world of raising our consciousness, emotional intelligence, and helping us really reach our potential. For more information, you can go to my website, rachelomara.com, and download my free guidebook, How to Turn Burnout into Thriving at Work. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to the podcast. This is my podcast. I'm Rachel O'Mara, and I'm here to speak with agents of change, individuals, experts in their field who are interested to help others become who they can have imagined they become and reach their potential through transformational change. And today I am really excited. I am here with Dr. Rick Hansen. Hi, Rick. How are you? Rachel, I'm really good. And I already feel warmed by your presence. Honestly. <laughs> yeah, I know. We're sitting here. It's eight o'clock in the morning Pacific time. And I'm glad that you're feeling warm. Me, me too. And for our listeners, if you're not familiar with Rick, I want to share a little bit more about Rick and, and then we'll jump in. But Rick is is personally one of my favorite teachers. <laughs> That's all you need to know. No, actually, Rick Rick is a very very accomplished uh, psychologist and author, and uh, one of the one of the people in, from the human potential movement who really helped put on the map what it means to be mindful. And from his from his bio, really, what you need to know, I think, is that he's. <laughs> He's an expert in his field. He's done many different talks. His books include The Buddha's Brain, which is my personal favorite, Resilient, which is his most recent book out, and Hardwiring Happiness, Just One Thing. And he's also working on a new book, which we're going to talk about, Neurodharma. It's a working title. And I, I just can't say enough good things about you, Rick. So uh, you, you've Rachel. also spent some recent time away pausing in in Bhutan and in India, and, and we'll definitely get into that. And, uh, and we'll, we'll just go from there. I think there's so much more to say. But with that, I want to turn it over to you because one of the things that I think really works well with the pause cast is to really start us out in the experiential and pausing. Mm -hmm. Would you like to lead us in one of your favorite activities? Uh, okay, thank you for that. And there'll be a little silence from time to time. So people can know that going in. And they can also know, of course, that uh, when we do practices of any kind, we're doing two things. We're, we're engaged in some kind of practice, which might be utter receptivity, but we're engaged in a practice. And then we're also seeing what happens. And so we're kind of observing the, the laboratory inside our own mind. In this particular practice, as also with any practice, feel free to do whatever works for you best. Uh, it's really okay to adapt my suggestions. This practice is related to the three-stage evolution of the brain, to get a little geeky here, and the ways in which the brain and the body help us to meet our needs, our basic needs for safety, satisfaction, and connection, so that if we become increasingly mindful of an authentic basis for relaxing and feeling strong in terms of a sense of safety, we can open more and more into a sense of peace. And we can do similar things in terms of satisfaction and connection. So I'll just kind of take us through that. 
So with regard to peace, which is where we'll begin, uh, the bottom up in terms of the brainstem, um, I invite you to take a couple of breaths and let yourself relax and calm as you breathe. You can extend the exhalation a little, which will naturally slow the heart rate and help calm the visceral core of your body. Being aware of the internal sensations of breathing in your lungs and chest, belly and diaphragm. And feeling the fundamental going onness of living, feeling the natural innate vitality and strength in yourself, a calm kind of strength. Being aware when it's true that you're actually all right. Now, now, there may be challenges in the future, but in this moment, being aware that the heart is beating, there's enough air to breathe, and you can relax needless tension, vigilance, and anxiety. Noticing what it's like to open into a growing sense of peace. And then letting this sense of easing, peacefulness, whatever is genuine for you, Move sort of to the background of the mind. And now let's focus more on contentment. It's perfectly all right to keep pursuing goals, and we can do so on the basis of a feeling of enoughness already. So you might like to put your attention for a little bit on things you're grateful for. Some of the many things that actually are going okay in your life maybe even really sweet. Opening to a genuine sense of gratitude and gladness. You might think of times you've been in beautiful places, perhaps in nature, in the woods, by the sea. Perhaps times you've been with a pet, with friends, and it just feels happy, satisfying. 
And you can feel more and more what it's like to be content rather than disappointed or frustrated. Seeing what it's like to feel an enoughness of contentment so that any unnecessary sense of drivenness or lack, discontent can fall away as you rest in a sense of contentment. Now letting that sense of contentment move more into the background of awareness along with an ongoing feeling of enough safety, ease and peacefulness in the background of your mind. And focusing more and more now on warm heartedness, on love, connection. Just bringing to mind your own friendliness and compassion and kindness and lovingness for others, taking some moments, maybe breathing through the area of your heart or putting a hand on your heart. It can be sweet to bring to mind beings who appreciate you, <laughs> your dog, maybe your cat, um, friends. It's uh, so whatever's true, even in imperfect relationships. Focusing on the feeling of the connection that's already there, the friendliness for you, the, the appreciating of you, even the loving of you, the caring coming your way, what it's like, what is it like to feel in relationship with beings who care about you, even if they drive you crazy from time to time. You can get the sense of resting in warm heartedness. So that unnecessary feelings of resentment can fall away. Feelings of hurt or inadequacy can fall away. Knowing that you can still address issues in relationships and, and there can still be old pain or fresh pain while still fundamentally 
abiding primarily in love flowing in and flowing out. And then in the final minute or so, see what it's like to have a kind of global or integrated sense of peace and contentment and love in a true sense as your home base, as the natural resting state of the body when it feels safe enough and satisfied enough and um, connected enough the resting state, it's our home base, in which the mind in this home base is colored with a global sense that you can rest in of peace and contentment and love. Okay, uh, it's perfectly fine to continue to feel dropped into what I call the green zone of peace, contentment, and love as we now move more into a kind of conversation. And for me, one of the real takeaways from all this, Rachel, is the, the realization that it's actually possible to live in this life with a felt sense already of an enoughness of needs met. So that as we face challenges, we do so feeling uh, already in the core of our being that there is a resilient well-being. That's our resting state mm-hmm. and uh, from which uh, we can deal with life in a whole different kind of way. Mm, I love that. Thank you, Rick. I'm taking that in and thank you for the the guided pause you just led. I. I have a lot of questions about it too, because right now I'm, I am, I have a new level set as you've shared, this is home base, the new home base. And can you just, mm-hmm. because I love the behind the scenes look, and I know you are a fellow geek, as you mentioned mm-hmm. with like me, when you said that it's components of the, like the triune brain and, and yeah. can you just walk us through as we did that in a, in mm-hmm. a nutshell, What were we activating that was different? I think it's so interesting to know the science behind it as we understand what is going on. Yeah. Can you just dissect it a little bit for us? Yeah, definitely. So in a weird way, it's sometimes easier to understand ourselves by first looking outside ourselves. So I want to use a classic example uh, from Robert Sapolsky at Stanford uh, from his book, Why Zebras Don't Get Ulcers. Mm, I've heard of that. I haven't read it yet. Yeah, Yeah, a wonderful book about stress. I recommend it to everybody, full of charming stories as well, because Sapolsky went to Africa, does go to Africa many months a year to study primates and other animals. So imagine um, that you're watching animals. So it could be your your cat snoozing, could be a zebra uh, in the Serengeti Plains. And um, at any moment in time, animals, whether it's a zebra or a human, need to manage their needs. 
That's what living entails. We have to manage needs. What are ways of understanding our needs or different models of needs, such as Maslow's hierarchy and so forth? A, a very fundamental model in biology and psychology is that essentially all animals, including us, have three basic needs that cover a lot of ground. Uh, we need to be safe, satisfied, and connected. In other words, if you know a shark is chewing on our leg, not safe. If we're hungry, not satisfied. And if we can't find a partner or if we've been abandoned by our band, our tribe, we're not connected. So uh, those are our basic needs. When animals like zebras or humans or cats um, feel that those needs are met, they chill out. <laughs> this is a fundamental bio, hormonal, immune, nervous, psychological setting. I call it the green zone or the responsive mode in which there's um, a conservation of resources inside the animal. It's not burning a lot of fuel. It's not getting into trouble. Uh, it's repairing and recovering from previous bursts of stress. And it rests moment to moment to moment, zebra, cat, or human, mm -hmm. in, a, in a sense of, okay, safe enough, satisfied enough, and connected enough with, as the animal becomes more and more complicated in terms of its nervous system, including you and me, uh, a mm -hmm. pervading sense in terms of those three needs in order of peace, contentment, and love. I'm using umbrella terms to kind of simplify and organize mm -hmm. a lot of material, but you can see the framework and the ways in which we manage those three needs is related to the evolution, as you said, of the so-called triune brain, the fact that the way in which the brain is like a house that was built from the bottom up in three floors. We have the more or yeah. less reptilian brainstem, on top of which the mammalian subcortex, on top of which the primate and especially human neocortex, which are loosely related to, in order, the management of safety and satisfaction and connection. And so, that's what you—that's what you uh, name the lizard, the mouse, and the monkey, right? And I the love monkey. Them. That's right. Like those that's are a, parts of us, right? It's yeah, great. yeah. And we can all relate. You know, there's kind of like a auto, you know, a real fast uh, kind of watchful lizard inside us. Uh, you know, that on the other hand, when it's lying in the sun doing lizard push-ups or having its belly rubbed, it's pretty mm -hmm. chill, right? Mm -hmm. Same yeah. thing with uh, the inner mouse. It's always looking for some cheese. Who moved my cheese, right? <laughs> and and yet when it's chewing on that cheese, it's chilling out. It's okay. It's dry. It's going green. The lights are, are green now <laughs> right. on the inner dashboard. It has enough in the moment. Same uh, with the little monkey inside us all. It's looking for someone to hug. Where's my tribe? Am I attached? There's all that material about attachment theory, mm -hmm. social emotions like, like embarrassment or pride or inadequacy or delight and joy at the welfare of others. So there too, when that monkey is being hugged or protected or knows where its band is and its place in it, then it chills out. It goes to the green zone. That's our resting state. Then, and that really is a biological resting state. It's not a new age, airy fairy, hocus pocus, pie in the sky. No, kind of not at all. Yeah. No. And it's great to think, what is our human nature? Well, our deepest human nature is the green zone because the resting state of a dynamic system, including the nervous system and the bodily systems in general, the resting state of a dynamic system most characterizes it. It's its home base. On the other hand, really briefly, there is the red zone, the reactive mode, fight, flight, freeze, when we don't feel in, our, in our, the core of our being that there's an enoughness of needs met. So then in terms of fear, 
yeah. or safety. People move into fear, anger, and helplessness in terms of satisfaction in the red zone. We go to frustration, disappointment, or addiction, or drivenness. And also in terms of connection, if we go in the red zone, we drop into a sense of heartache, and hurt, resentment, grievance, us against them rivalries. And the takeaway point here is that um, it is our nature to be able to move back and forth between the green zone and the red zone. And there is a place once in a while for the red zone, but it comes with a lot of cause. And the takeaway is that mm. it's possible to meet challenges, to protect yourself, to pursue big dreams in terms of satisfaction, and to work through issues with other people while still resting in the core of your being within an underlying mm. felt sense of resilient well-being. That's pretty wild. And and knowing there's probably a yellow zone in there too, right? Where it's kind of like that traffic uh, light analogy and you sense you're getting red. I, yeah, I like any model is an oversimplification. But honestly, um, we can feel the ways in which we're starting to rev up. And the way I kind of mm -hmm. think of it is that it's like we have got these three interconnected systems. So one can start to go red while the other two are remaining yeah, green. Yeah, that. and then the key is, can the green ones kind of draw the other red system back or does the red system infect the two green ones and now everything's yeah, flashing red? Yeah, exactly. And, and, and there's probably a million times a day when I have a couple of those firing in red or number like pull, pulling mm -hmm. back to green or fighting to even be aware of it, I should say. Yeah because that's part of it and and uh and and the and then what's so powerful about what you're sharing is we're we're all the lizard the mouse and the monkey right our brains are mm -hmm. basically evolutionarily from from those from our ancestors there and, and so when we mm -hmm. have a lizard moment or or like mm -hmm. where's my cheese moment yeah. then uh we are i think more more uh kind and forgiving for ourselves yeah. and and uh, that is so important as I know you in your work, you talk about the negativity bias and like why mm -hmm. we tend to do things like self beat up. And uh, that is not helpful. That is not in service to, in, you know, being, being in your best self and in the green zone, shall we say? Yeah. I, I think there are three headlines. First, accept yourself. Really important because of course, if, if we're not accepting ourselves, yep. including our inner lizard, <laughs> then uh, we're pushing in the red, right? So yeah. accept yourself as you are, realize, okay, this is Mother Nature's plan, and it's not totally perfect, and mm -hmm. yet we've inherited the gift of three and a half billion <laughs> years of evolution. Really? Yeah. I'd yeah. rather be a, a on my worst day, I'd rather be a human than a lizard, a mouse, or a monkey. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, uh, and what I like about that. So where, when I've studied you in my graduate work at Wright Graduate University, uh, with Bob and Judith Wright, one of the things I've learned is, you know, we have, you know, just to name my lizard moment. So if I feel like yeah. I'm having that lizard moment where I'm in a hijack, or I feel like my fight or flight mm -hmm. is just like full on firing on all eight cylinders, then I can just tell myself and say, I am having a lizard moment right now. And if I, I can know. be that aware, then I can kind of reset. And it just helps me bring back myself to that green zone, as you say. And, uh, and like, what a cool, powerful tool, because if I can just know I'm a lizard, it doesn't mean I'm, I'm crazy, or I got to stay in that zone, but it just helps me move into something different. That's what I love about it. Oh, yeah. You named the second headline, which is get out of the red zone as soon as you can. Uh, it's natural to, to go there, move but along. don't keep eating it. And that's what a lot of people do. They get trapped in the red yeah. zone. Part of oh, it it's so easy. The, 
Yeah, part of it has to do with the brain. We get lost in what I call the simulator, the default mode network, or really the ruminator. And rah, 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 yeah. good luck. Yeah. So really key point, recognize that as um, Sapolsky puts it about zebras, most episodes of stress in the wild end quickly, one way or another. Uh, <laughs> yeah, they do. Oh my god. They're supposed to end, but humans, as we walk down the street, we brood on things, we work our our resentful cases against others mm -hmm. we keep criticizing ourselves um, we keep you know we being addicted really to certain kinds of goals yeah not yeah. good so get out of the red zone that's headline yeah. number two <laughs> good one yeah and and that actually brings me to i think a really good point that you'd make in resilient about the time that is needed to really soak in uh an experience that isn't maybe negative, like a like a positive mm. experience. And can you tell us about that? Because I think this is yeah. so understated. I don't think a lot of people really realize this, you know, and it, and it changes so much if you can actually allow yourself that time. So tell us a little bit about that, because if there's one thing I think people can take away from this time together, mm -hmm. and hopefully there's yeah. many things you can take away, but I think this one is so key. It could change your life. Uh, thank you. Well, it's interesting how this is happening organically. You're naming the third headline, which is that we can grow. We can change for the better and we can Yay. grow. Yay. Right. We can grow psychological resources inside us that help us meet our needs better and better so we can more stay in the green zone that way. And also, as we experience needs met and really take in those experiences, we can hardwire into ourselves a, a kind of underlying sense of already feeling peaceful, contented, loved, and loving. So here we're talking about learning. We're talking about changing the nervous system. And I don't mean multiplication table learning or memorizing, you know, some new update of this is learning 2.0. Yeah. Yeah. This is this <laughs> is emotional learning, sensate learning, uh, attitudinal learning, motivational learning, spiritual learning, social learning. Uh, the learning that is healing and that shifts the felt sense of you uh, as you go. Learning skills, learning how to be more skillful with others and yourself. So that's the great opportunity. And the question is how to do it. And this is where cutting right to the chase, bad news, good news. Bad news, the brain is designed to overlearn from bad experiences, painful mild experiences even of irritation, stress, worry, and hurt. Those go right in. Uh, there's a famous saying, neurons that fire together, wire together. That's especially true for negative experiences. Uh, right. Once bought, you know, once burned, twice shy. I, the way I put it is the brain is like Velcro for bad experiences, but Teflon for good ones. And we all know what that's like. So that's kind of goes back to that second headline. Because the brain has what scientists call a negativity bias, it's like Velcro for the bad. It's really important to pull out of the red zone as soon as you authentically can and not feed it because then you're just reinforcing those negative tracks in your brain. You're reinforcing, you know, an attitude of fearfulness and irritation, exasperation and feeling, you know, like a bad person even. Yeah. And that can, hand, that can include all of our, um, sorry to interrupt, but that can include all our stories, right? All the things we think we know about ourselves and why we're at a certain way and things like that, right? Yeah, that's right. And if you rehash those stories, neurons that fire together, wire together. Fire together You're just yep. doing laps around the track and the neurotic track. You're doing laps around the neurotic track and digging it a little deeper each time you go that's around right. it. Great. Thanks. 
Um, the good news, good news, on the other hand, is you can do what I call take in the good. In other words, as you're having experiences that are opportunities for growth, especially just in the flow of your day, uh, uh, realizing how to be a little more skillful in running a meeting, uh, recognizing that if you just shift your attitude about something a little bit, you're not going to obsess about it so much. Uh, feeling calmer in your body, like when we went through that pause, or when you take people uh, through uh, mindful experiences, uh, those are opportunities to let a sense of calm, strength, and well-being really sink in. Feeling connected to another person, seeing uh, a flower, enjoying a you know a cup of coffee or a bite mm -hmm. of chocolate, whatever it is, you're having experiences. You're having insights, even perhaps very wise insights, into the nature of experience and the radical transience and permanence of each moment, et cetera, et cetera. Whatever it is, you're having opportunities to receive the beneficial residues of these experiences into yourself rather than having them wash through your brain like water through a sieve while the crud, the negativity bias crud, gets caught every time. So I'll talk, I'm sure, in a moment about the how-to of this. It's really incredibly simple. Um, you just basically need to stay with the experience, opening to it in your body, focusing on what's rewarding about it. And each one of those three things, staying with it, experiencing in the body, focusing on what's rewarding about it, is a kind of hack, in a sense, you can do inside your own mind, which makes your brain more receptive to the experience you're having at the time and more prone to converting that passing experience into a lasting change of neural structure and function, increasingly hardwired into you. That is so cool. It is cool. <laughs> Every time Thank I goodness. hear that, I'm just blown away that, yeah, we can literally change our encoding of yeah. how we think about things based on a positive experience and just soaking it in and is there a time frame is there a recommended amount because i feel like we could just flash of a pan kind of take yeah. something in like maybe i get a compliment today someone says nice shirt you know or something like that and i could be like cool thanks or yeah or not even listen right but like right. what do i need to do like let's just walk through like mm -hmm. what right. actually needs to happen to have that happen because i feel like it's easy mm -hmm. to say it but what do i need to do and i and that's where i think the, the wheels might come off yeah, great. So it's easy to uh, learn a piece of information or idea really quickly. Uh, mm -hmm. So sometimes there is a place for, uh, you know, re remembering the fact that somebody complimented you. But if you think about it, that doesn't have a lot of impact. Mm -hmm. What has more impact is to open to the feeling of being complimented. Mm -hmm. yeah. and, and as you're opening to the feeling of it, you help it kind of reverberate inside your neural networks uh, long enough for it to begin its process of making a lasting physical change in your nervous system. So I want to really say there is a place for developing new ideas, as you put it, or new narratives about ourselves, but that tends to be superficial. You know, that's kind of the tip of the iceberg, if you will, mm -hmm. uh, where, where real change happens in, in the feeling of being you that background, ongoing feeling of being you and, and trying to help it become happier and more peaceful and more loving and develop a kind of inner peace in a, in a profound and, and pervading way, which is to me, really, the goal of the human process and, and, and the possibility in, in human potential. So if you want to do that, mm -hmm. uh, it helps to kind of focus more on the emotional and sensory or 
motivational aspects, you know, learning about what's a what's healthy to want, what's not so healthy to want, and how to how to uh, aspire without attachment. You know, these are the kinds of things that are really mm-hmm. useful to to grow with regard to to take in. So the you asked how long? Uh, there's no magic. Uh, amount of time, generally uh, negative experiences and or any kind of idea we can learn pretty fast. If you want to take in though the residues, let's say of feeling complimented and feeling everything else that goes with that, close yeah. to the person, relieved. Oh, I don't look too bad after all. That's mine. Uh, you know, whatever reassured, <laughs> you know, um, of worth. Uh, stay with it for a breath or two or longer. That's breath a kind of simple. Okay. Stay with it for a breath, at least a breath. And if and if you take my advice, half a dozen times a day, to stay with Ooh. a beneficial experience of one kind or another. Do you um, mean recalling that half a dozen times a day, or new experiences half a dozen times? A day? You could repeat the same one, or just kind of as you move through your day, you, you know, the, you look outside and things seem like they're working, and you just kind of relax and uh, you mm. feel relieved, or maybe you get something done at work. Oh, you know, and there's a sense of relief and accomplishment. Uh, maybe you're just kicking it with friends or coworkers yeah. over lunch, and it's kind of fun. There's a friendliness where people laugh at your joke, and you realize, hey, they like me. Uh, I'm included. I'm part of this group. Each one of those. Maybe there's a really special sweet time with your partner, your child, uh, your cat. Uh, maybe uh, in a more formal way, a moment of grace or mm-hmm. just gratitude before a meal. You know, that's easy to do yeah. half a dozen times a day totally yeah well, we just have to remember lesson. it that's our that's our right brain i guess yeah, Is that the yeah. you brain have to remember to remember the smart most enough important. to remember that yeah yeah, yeah. but well, over time what happens is you get drawn into it because it feels really good it feels authentic um it helps to develop over time the resource of being on your own side a kind yeah. of scruffy, gritty commitment to your own well-being, because then as you have more of that commitment, you realize, wow, I have a radical power to help myself become who I want to be in the broadest sense, including the healing of old pain and the opening into beautiful new ways of, of being in, in my own essence. I can mm-hmm. help myself become who I want to be. No one can stop me from doing that. No one can stop me from growing a little bit every day, from taking in the good a little bit every day. Mm. And no one can do it for me. Yeah. Oh, that's boy, what makes that's it. Gritty. <laughs> that's right. That's what makes it gritty. Yeah. There's attraction and legs. And it's makes hard. It real. Yeah. Yeah. It's not magic. <laughs> On the other hand, that. it's yeah. sweet work. Because what are we talking about? We're talking about orienting to what's beneficial. Yeah. That's true. In it's the flow it. of your day, not papering over what's bad and problematic. In fact, as you grow strengths inside, resources inside, you're more able to see what's problematic in yourself and in the world and do more about it. Mm-hmm. Mm. Boy, I'm taking that in. I'm, I'm soaking that in too, because that's, I, as you say that, I'm reminding myself, yeah, like I, can, I can make a difference today. I can mm. do what I need to do and feel okay about it and, and focus on what I want. And that's to me a positive bias, I guess. And yeah. uh, like, it's just those little moments where you can tune in like that. So that's just so helpful. And it's, I actually, it's shocking. Can I say this? Can I say, <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna say this. If you just start doing this and you say, okay, okay, I'm going to try it. I'm going to try it for a breath. I'll give it you know, a, a breath. A breath is like you know, breath. around five to 10 seconds, depending, you know, if you're relaxed five to 10 seconds. So you think, okay, I'm going to stay with this experience for a <laughs> whole breath. 
And it's so interesting. It's just 10 seconds or less. And you watch your mind skittering all over the place. You don't want to stay there. Yeah. Or even put, that's right. Maybe you don't want to stay there. Or maybe you just have have a habit of distraction. And you realize, wow, how weirdly rare it is. It's Uh like we're, it's like we're anorexic emotionally. We're, we're, we're hungry deep down inside. And yet we don't let ourselves feed and take it in. Yeah. 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 And that would be my pause challenge for all of everyone who takes, who wants to take this on today is to go out and, and literally do that. What Rick you're saying, uh, whatever next experiences that happens to you positive, you you actually pause for those two breaths and, or more and notice what happens inside. Like it is nuts and cool and exhilarating as well. I know. It's like, I think that's one of the most powerful pauses of all. In other words, there, there's a place for pausing in order to have nice experiences in the moment. And I don't mean nice in a pejorative way. I mean, legitimately. Okay, great. There's a place for pausing so that we can experience good things in the moment. But the other question is, what are you gaining from those experiences in the moment? Are you gaining from them? Are Mm. they sinking in in any way? Are they leaving lasting changes behind? And if they're not leaving lasting changes Mm -hmm. behind, you're not growing from them by definition. You're leaving all that money on the table. Oh boy, all that money. And I want to hit this home because it's, this is why when you just read a book, like even if mm. it's your book or, or you're not doing actual application, let's mm-hmm. say you're reading reading a book and you're like, oh, that was a great book. I learned so much. But if you're not actually really processing that and noticing how you feel as you read it or thinking mm-hmm. about how it shape, shapes you, it's yeah. not it's not going to be as impactful. It might even in a week or so go away from what you mm-hmm. really want. And like that to me is so powerful. And I feel like most, most of us don't realize that because no one tells us this. It's not like we were brought up to know that our brains can be rewired, right? This is like yeah. research. So I just want to hit that home and that it does require application. And that is what you're so good at and, and sharing. And and I and actually have a few stats on the brain because I know most of us don't really think about the brain too much. And I know right. you call it the three pounds of soft tofu. Like here we are with this blobbery uh, gray matter, three pound brain. But yeah. like, this is, this is amazing. There's a hundred billion neurons in your brain. Mm. That's really big, right? So that's 10 to the millionth power of connections, like 10 with a million mm. zeros. 10 with a million zeros. So think about that. If you're wondering about how you can change your brain, there's there's a lot of material to work with in those three pounds. And uh, and I actually want to, like, this is what my mentor, Judith Wright, told me this summer was that there's this, it's the, it's one of the things that there's the most known particles. Well, actually, the, no, the most known particles in the, in the universe is 10 to the 80 billion neurons mm. or something like that. So it's actually the most complex thing known in the universe is our freaking brain. <laughs> it's and kind I, of crazy. Let me, and, if I could, just yeah, just say that. so. Yeah, you like it's kind of wild to kind of appreciate it right now as we listen here. The part of the body, the brain that we're talking about, is trying to figure out the part of the brain, the part of the body that we're talking <laughs> about, right? So you've got a hundred billion little neurons inside your head, as many uh, as there are stars in the Milky Way galaxy. Oh, yeah. There are another trillion support cells that are helping those neurons do their job. Uh, As as you were saying, neurons make thousands of connections on average with Mm. each other. So there are several hundred trillion connections. Each one of them is like a little microprocessor, a synapse Mm -hmm. inside your head. Several hundred trillion of those microprocessors. And just like you were saying too, the number of possible states 
that the brain altogether can go into, even if you were to really super simplify it and just describe each one of those little synapses as like a switch that's on or off. And it's a lot more complicated than that. It's not just digital, it's analog, right? Um, That means that ballpark, as you said, the number of potential states in the brain is 10 to the millionth power, one with a million zeros. And, you know, the number of particles in the known universe is just 10 or just one rather with 80 zeros. So that gives you a feeling for how crazy it is. Yeah, I know. And, and, you know, if I could drive this point home, it it goes back to something you said earlier, Rachel, about um, we have to do it. We, we can't just think about it. We can't just read about it. Uh, we have to do it. We have to practice. And I just think that people routinely realize that if they want to get better at running meetings or skiing or golfing mm-hmm. or making cupcakes, they've got to <laughs> practice, right? They've got to get at it. It's in the same way. If you want to become happier, stronger, yeah. wiser, more loved and loving, more at peace, more capable, you have to practice. You have to uh, move through life, helping yourself learn and grow as you go. And for me, that just goes to a whole bunch of old school uh, values. I think of my dad growing up on a ranch in North yeah. Dakota where you got to get up and focus and it's on you. And yet deep down, no one can stop you, which is great when mm-hmm. so many people feel so pushed around by so many things. Yeah. So, so important and and such a good reminder. You've got a lot of material to work with, right? That's the uh, every day is hundred billion neurons. You don't have any shortage there. Yeah. Yeah, no lack, no lack, no lack. Yeah, yeah. So so I think that's just really important. And uh I want to ask you, I I know you've been in this work for years and you've written uh, mm-hmm. books your I actually looked at your website and your and your CV and it's the longest most comprehensive CV I've ever seen in my entire life you've had just so much experience like how did you get into mm-hmm. all of this because I think that's just fascinating probably in itself I'm sure there's a story there well thank you and um the short version really of my life story the really 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 short version is that um maybe I could just kind of uh kind of mark two major events. One or thanks. One was honestly, when I was really young, probably like you, I just had this background sense that I can recognize when I look back at my earliest memories, that people were just a lot more unhappy and stressed than they really needed to be. I had just had this feeling of unhappiness that was unnecessary in my family and the schoolyard, watching the grownups hassle each other, stress, bicker, worry. I just realized, oh, Oh, and I want to really validate what little kids know. They often can't, they mm. can't put it into words at the time, maybe ever, but they know in their bones. Yeah. So I invite people right now to pause and reflect on, wow, what are some of the deepest knowings you had, even as a little kid, that um, you can mm. draw upon and have been important for you? And so for me, that was one of them, a sense of unnecessary unhappiness and a longing to understand it and to change it and to do something about it while I didn't know how. That was me really as a little kid. And then um, when I was about 15, I've come now to look back and realize there was a turning point in my life there that was really, really, really important when I was about 15. And um, I was very unhappy. I was totally awkward with other people. And my mind was definitely a cave of bats. It was a mess in there. And uh, I felt pretty despairing, like, oh, I'm stuck. I don't know what to do. I'm a total, I'm just circling the drain. And then I had this realization 
that no, every day had opportunities for learning in the broadest sense. Every day I could understand something a little better. I could recognize something a little more. I could become a little more skillful. I could start weaving more and more well-being and calm and happiness and gratitude and so forth into myself. I could learn how to talk with girls, right? I could mm-hmm. learn how to deal with my parents. I could learn how to shift inside my own mind. I could learn and grow a little bit every day. And that was incredibly hopeful. It makes me think about the quote many, many years later. I came across it from Star Trek, Captain Kirk, who says, the future is the undiscovered country. We can't do anything about the past, but we so can learn and grow and help ourselves in terms of who we are becoming. And it's so hopeful. It's also old school. We got to be responsible for it. We got to recognize it could be a a long road. Um, My own road has been a long one. Uh, And um, still, you can take a step down that road every day. So that really set me on my way. And then some years later, I I, or consistent with all that, I got very interested um, in my early 20s. I started meditating when I was about 21 in 1974. And uh, um, I got really interested in human potential psychology and, and the contemplative traditions, yeah. including those from the East uh, with uh, that are very meditative. And then starting about 20 years ago, more and more information is available about the brain. And I began to really see that at the intersection of brain science, psychology, and contemplative practice, there is tremendous potential if you think of the intersection of those yeah. two circles, yeah, and that's where I'll, I work a lot these days, yeah. especially over you the were last ten. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You're we were one insightful young man, Rick. I'm impressed. Well, don't pain is motivating. Pain drives yeah, you. Who knows that? <laughs> wow, and 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 uh, yeah, I, I I know from your background, you've done some retreats and and in fact when you were starting to meditate you were living in in uh in a buddhist community from what i understand and no no no. i i was on the edge of that i've never been a monk i have a lot of bows for monastics nuns Mm -hmm. and monks alike uh, and transcending the gender categories too yeah uh but i've i would say i've been i've been motivated uh Mm -hmm. and one thing i've learned along the way is the power of little things just again like we were saying there's a quote from my home tradition, Buddhism, um, from the Dhammapada, it's really summarizes in a way uh, this whole conversation, which has been really sweet and delightful. Here's the quote. Think not lightly of good, saying it will not come to me. Drop mm. by drop is the water pot filled. Likewise, the wise one, gathering it little by little, fills oneself with good. Mm. Did you just remember? Did you just know that and tell us I, that? That's amazing. Oh, I, I just it. remembered it. It's a saying. Yeah, uh, you know, I yeah. have it in my PowerPoints wow. deck, and that's wow. why I've seen it. That out. That's amazing. That was so powerful and and beautiful to share. Uh, and thank you for for sharing that and all that you've shared today. I think I would I would I know you've got a lot of things happening. You're working on a lot of things. Can you just just share a little bit about mm. what your next endeavor is? I know you're working and writing yeah. a lot these days. Well, so currently I'm I'm doing a lot with online programs because that's a wonderful way to reach people at scale. 
And uh, it's also a wonderful way to make things accessible for people literally around the world, 24 hours a day, if you've got an internet connection. And as part of that accessibility, we're really quite happy for you know middle-class people uh, around the world to pay a very affordable price for these online programs, such as the Foundations of Wellbeing uh, program. Uh, we make them available uh, with pretty much you know, for anyone who has financial need. So that's a really nice thing. So I do a lot of online programming and there are powerful ways that people can do uh, on, on demand, really, whenever they want on the go, including just listening to the mm -hmm. program on their phone, um, you know, to, to grow strengths inside and to develop more of this unshakable core of resilient well-being. So that's good. And people can learn more at my website, which is chock full of free material, freely offered material, uh, rickhanson.net. So that's one thing. Rick Hansen. Yeah, dot. Yeah. yeah. Great. And then, on the then I now I'm working on my new book, um, working titled Neurodharma, The Deepest Roots of the Highest Happiness. And Dharma is a kind of, you know, it's, it might seem like an exotic term, but it really simply means truth. What is the truth of things? And what is the, the path that mm. is really trustworthy and good? So when you bring neurodharma together, you think about the connection between the deepest, deepest penetrating understanding of the mind and increasingly the deepest, deepest penetrating understanding of the brain mm -hmm. and the body altogether. So um, that book is uh, a summary really of seven really powerful ways of being that characterize both people who are enlightened and ways of being that are in reach for all of us every mm -hmm. day although certainly we can deepen in those seven ways of being. And maybe I'll just say them to you kind of here and yeah. you people can resonate or not with them. And, I would love to hear those. Yeah. You heard it here. And the way, I, the way I get at them in this book I'm doing is um, very be, while being very respectful of the traditions that some of these notions um, are grounded in, really looking at each one of them in terms of, how does the body make that way of being? How does your body help you be happy, for example? And then based mm -hmm. on understanding what the body is doing, then you can start working the body to change it from the bottom up, from the inside out, using just your mind alone. So here are the seven. Uh, first, steady the mind. In other words, we have to be mindful, just everything you do. We have to be mindful. We need to be able to control mm -hmm. attention. We need to be able to even concentrate and drop deeply into objects of attention, such as the breath or the feeling of peacefulness, and become more and more absorbed in that state. So that's steadying the mind. The mm -hmm. second is warming the heart, opening into lovingness, uh, compassion, kindness, self-compassion, uh, more of a sense of us uh, rather than them. That's the warming the heart. The third way of being, and each one of these ways of being is also a practice. So they're the, both mm -hmm. the goal of practice and the method of practice. As they say in Tibet, you can take the fruit as the path. So warming mm -hmm. the heart. The third one is um, resting in fullness. Just resting with that green zone sense of safe enough, satisfied enough, uh, loved enough, you know, peace, contentment, love, lizard, mouse, and monkey. Ah, So that's foundational. Steadying the mind, warming the heart, resting in fullness. And then we move into the deep end of the pool <clears throat> with fourth, enjoying wholeness, accepting yourself as a whole, 
taking yourself as a whole, uh, more and more having a sense of your whole body continuously, opening wider and wider into the sense of the stream of consciousness altogether as a whole, including the elements of awareness in a unified kind of way. That does really good things for your brain that I won't get into the detail of. Mm -hmm. So enjoying wholeness. And then fifth, receiving nowness. Moving more and more into the present moment, exploring what it's like to receive the present moment. As this amazing scientist in the 1500s and 1600s, Francis Bacon said, we have only this moment sparkling in our hand like a diamond and melting like a snowflake, <laughs> wow. right? So yeah. sparkling and melting, sparkling and melting Boy. continuously, yeah. right? The power of now, the front edge of now, be here now. Ooh, how do you actually do that? Receiving nowness continuously. Well, continually letting go. It's really radical and exciting. Really, yeah. And then sixth, um, opening into allness, where you get more and more of a sense of the boundary between self and world, self and others starting to blur. You know there's a difference, say, between Rick and Rachel, but more and more you start to see that each one of us is like a wave in the vast ocean of causes. It's a local expression of the sea. Uh, and you start um, being more and more relaxed about recognizing that, you know, you're a local patterning of the universe. And even after your wave passes, uh, the universe will abide. And there's more and more of a profound sense of that as you open into all this. And then last, this is where we start edging into what could be meaningfully, categorically distinct from the ordinary universe, finding timelessness, uh, finding a sense of stillness amidst activity, sense of spaciousness through which things move, a sense of timelessness in which time flows, a sense of possibility in which uh, things become actual uh, moment after moment after moment which for some people, and it is as the Buddha taught, and it's as uh, others have explored themselves, that sense of the unconditioned, as he put it, mm -hmm. or you start moving into what could be the transcendental. Uh, and, you know, I explore the possibilities of that and, and how we can help ourselves become more accessible to timelessness and the infinite. So that's what that book's about, is you can tell I'm completely excited about that's it. That's it? That's all that's in there? <laughs> that's like all. Every, no big. Every... And well, there's a little introductory <laughs> setup. I kind of frame it also almost like a retreat. Oh, my goodness. Where there's yeah. a, I call it coming, and then you move through the seven, you know, steadiness, lovingness, fullness, yeah. wholeness, nowness, allness, oh, timelessness. Sure. And then there's going. So, yeah, but that's what the oh, book boy. is. Oh, boy. Well, it, it just sounds so juicy and and sparkly and uh, savory, like the present moment. It sounds great. I can't wait to yeah. get my hands on it once it's, once you're done, I know you're in it right now. So yeah. thank you for sharing that, all of what you're working on. And I know we're at time. I, I feel like I wouldn't just keep going and talk to you yeah. forever. However, we're going to, we're going to wrap this and I'll put on the site with, with your, with your recording, the mm -hmm. link to your Google talk that you did on resilient, which was fabulous that I hosted you at and uh, mm -hmm. your, your, your website, you mentioned with the courses like foundations of well-being. That's the great year long class that's uh, self learned and online. And, uh, and we can just continue to follow your development. So thank you so much, Rick. This has been an extraordinary treat for me to just be with you and enjoy what you're sharing and, and learn more from you and with, with you. So thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. It's been a complete pleasure for me.
Thanks for listening today. I'm Rachel O'Mara, the author of Pause, harnessing the life-changing power of giving yourself a break. Now that you've had a chance to listen to the Pause cast, I want to invite you to continue the conversation and join the private Facebook group, Be The Pause. You can search for it on Facebook or go to facebook.com slash groups slash Be The Pause. It's also in the Pause cast notes for this episode. Also, if you are struggling with overwhelm or being stressed out at work and you're not really sure what to do next, I invite you to download the free guidebook for the three keys to turn overwhelm into thriving at work. This is on my website, rachelomero.com, and you can download it there today. See you soon.